G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. showed me this world of homeschooling resources that connected with my heart and was totally different to what I knew of homeschooling before that. Do you ever get overwhelmed with all that it means to be a parent these days? Always playing catch up with the urgent, making it hard to deal with the important. Our guest today is Belinda Letchford, who homeschooled her four children in Kununurra, Western Australia. She has a heart to help encourage parents to be intentional, relational and heart-focused in all areas of family life. That's Belinda Letchford, our guest today, with my wife Kate and myself, Brett Ryan, for Focus on the Family, Australia. Well, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. There'll be some people saying, where's Kununurra? Just give us an idea of where that is in Australia. I'm very geographically challenged, so interesting question. (laughs) Um, If you take the map of Australia and go right to the top of Western Australia... Near the border with the Northern Territory, you'll find a large man-made dam and a township of Kununurra. Right. So how does one find themselves in Kununurra and how long have you been there for? Yeah, we've been here for 28 years and we came to town because we bought a farm. My husband had been over here when he was a single man and he really liked the area. So when it came time to expanding his family farming property, we decided to look broader in Australia and come over here. Had you lived remotely before? I actually grew up in remote parts of Australia. My parents were missionaries in Aboriginal Island off Arnhem Land and then I spent my childhood in the Pilbara in Western Australia. And so, yeah, so coming up here was kind of like a normal thing for me. It wasn't too outside of my experience. So some people are saying, I don't know how you can do it. How can you live so remotely, so far away from everyone? But you are not too far out of the main city of Kununurra, which is a thriving metropolis, as I understand. (laughs) So you're not too far and you're not too remote. So what do you farm in Kununurra? At the moment, we farm sandalwood. There's lots of uh, sandalwood growing up here. We lease the farm to a sandalwood plantation and my husband actually works now as a vet, flies around the cattle station and comes home to the farm to live, but he actually works as a flying vet. So was he a vet originally? He was. And we actually came over here because he didn't want a vet anymore. But we actually needed more income than the farm would produce and so we prayed for income and... The doors opened for him to be a large animal cattle vet, um, which is really where his passion is, is in the production animal. And so that has put us in a lifestyle where he is away from home a lot of the time. And though that's been hard, very hard at different times, 
it's like, well, we pray for income and God provided this income. I can't really turn around and say, well, this is not what I asked for, God. Mm. And so we've had to find ways to make that work. You mentioned faith. Faith is obviously a very big part of your world and you grew up with missionary parents. So faith has been your whole life? Yes. Um, yeah, both Peter and I feel very blessed to have Christian parents. You know, each child has to find their own faith journey. Mm. And so Peter and I had to do that as well as individual singles before we got married. But then as a couple wanting to have a Christian family, We've had to find our own beliefs and how that happens and what we want to pursue and what that means to us. But we build that on the shoulders of our parents and we're very, very blessed to have that as our heritage. You you mentioned about him having to fly and be away Mm. for periods of time. A lot of people are faced with that fly-in, fly-out marriage relationship or even family kind of relationship where there are kids involved. How did you handle that situation? At first, it was really hard. The first overnight trip that Pete was away, I actually had someone come and stay with me. And I realised, well, this is just not sustainable. That, you know, she's got her life and I can't have her come and stay with me the whole time. And so we had to process that. She started to get used to it. But one of the things I noticed happening was every time Pete left, We'd walk over to the truck for him to drive off and we would have an argument and it would be over the silliest little thing. I can't even remember the things that we would have arguments over. But it was nearly as if I was asking for a flight and it wasn't nice. (laughs) Um, And I actually read a book and I think I got it from Focus on the Family and it was something along the lines of how to keep your family together when frequent travel pulls you apart Mm. and it just helped me understand the dynamics of me taking on responsibility for the family while Pete was away and those emotional things that were going on in my heart so then we were able to actually talk about the fighting that was going on and then just the pressure and the burden and found ways that we could manage that together Mm. and one of the things that we did to help that was he started packing his own bag and it seems like such a little thing, but, you know, as a new wife, I had all these lovely ideas to pack your husband's bag and leave little notes tucked in the socks and, you know, well, our situation just was, that was not going to happen. I wasn't feeling particularly loving towards him and so notes weren't happening. And But by him packing his bag, um, it just took that confrontation away yeah. and... He was aware of the pressures that that put on me. And one of the things that he decided to do was that whenever he was away, he phoned every night and he touched base. So though he was away all the time, or for most of the year, he was still engaged with me and my emotional needs and he was still aware of what was happening with the kids. And I think that's been one of the really big keys for us staying strong as a couple and even the kids having a relationship with their dad was because of his intentionality in the situation we were in. So the arguments decreased. You realised that arguments just before someone leaves isn't ideal. Not a great thing, no. I think actually once we realised what was happening, it's like the book made me 
kind of step outside of myself and look and see what was happening and I identified that we were having these arguments. Mm. Mm. I don't even think I knew I was having these arguments. And we talked about them, we talked about the pressure and we talked about how we were going to strengthen my emotional ability to cope with the situation. Yeah, you're more resolved. Yeah. Well, I think one of the questions I'd like to ask is, I remember Brett went away and he was gone for three or four weeks. I mean, it doesn't, it sounds like nothing compared to the couples that have to go in and out. And Mm. the trouble with me and my personality was when he got back, it was like, I've got this all sorted. Now you're coming in and you're disrupting it. (laughs) Um, And so I became, even in that three or four weeks, I became quite independent. And so... I just want to know how you handled him coming back and then slotting back into the family scenario because if you were kind of not the head of the home but you were leading the home at that point on your own, how you resolved that? Because I think a lot of couples probably find that very difficult because they've got schedules and timetables and and how do they handle that? I think the uh, few keys was one that because we had that daily contact, he knew what was going on with the family. He knew where we were up to. So I think probably the biggest overarching thing was that I had seen that happen in families, in the farming community, mm. not just here, but, you know, any kind of seasonal work that can happen. And so I decided that I wasn't going to fill my life with things that made it hard for Pete to slip back into when he was at home. Yeah. We also homeschooled and so... That gave us a flexibility in our lifestyle. So Pete fly in, fly out wasn't as regimented as um, you know, like the mining kind of fly in, yeah. fly out, where you have a roster situation. It was more dependent on on the jobs as they came in. And so if he was home on a Thursday, we were able to change our day and flow with him and have a family day that maybe other families would have on a Saturday or a Sunday. Yeah. That's and great. so we were able to, like, go camping and do those family-type things. Fantastic. Mm. And that meant that he could engage with the family. Yep. And the other thing we intentionally talked about was how we were going to handle discipline. And that really mm. shaped how we handled that. Because I think often women feel exhausted and dad comes home, even on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And... We just go, well, they're yours now. And what we thought about that and we thought about, well, what is the discipline process? And if the child was disobedient to me, even if Pete was in the house, then I still needed to carry that out. And that way Pete didn't immediately assume all those responsibilities when he walked in the door and that gave him opportunity to engage with the kids without being the disciplinarian all the time. Yeah. Rather than coming home and then having to deal with the, the long list of all the misdemeanours that have taken place over the last few days. Yeah, the place where you yeah. say, oh, wait till Dad gets home. Yeah, I <laughs> where didn't do that. No, because, yeah. it, well, it's a team thing, isn't it? It is. And I thought I wanted the kids to respect me as the mum. Yes. And Pete wanted them to respect me as the mum. And so he was never the big daddy, you know, that he had to fear. He was dad, and he deserved respect. And I was the mum, and I deserved respect. Our guest today is Belinda Letchford. (laughs) 
The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional, designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. Welcome back to Focus on the Family Australia. I'm Brett Ryan. Our guest today is Belinda Letchford, who is a blogger, a parenting and family coach, and homeschooler for her four children in Kununurra, Western Australia. You mentioned just a few moments ago about homeschooling. Mm. So tell us a little bit about that journey. We always wanted to homeschool. I don't actually remember why or when, but it was something we talked about before we even had kids that we were going to homeschool. Were you homeschooled or your husband? No. Peter was brought up remote Queensland or central Queensland and so he had school of the air for his primary school and his sisters homeschooled their children and my parents homeschooled my brother and we had friends who homeschooled. So it was a known culture in our thinking Mm. and before Josh was born we had intended to homeschool. And you've got four children? Four children, Joshua, Jessica, Naomi and Daniel. And then when Josh was a toddler, I realised what I knew about homeschooling didn't match the type of mum I wanted to be. So I was a mum who talked to her toddlers, who um, wanted to talk about God, who wanted to be engaged with hands-on in my toddler's life, you know. And so we thought, oh, well, homeschooling not for us after all. And so we shelved it. And then when our number three child was born, Naomi, at six months old, she was diagnosed with a tumour on her kidney and we had to go to Perth for treatment. And it was there that a friend picked us up from the airport and looked after us in that first week. And she was homeschooling and she showed me this world of homeschooling resources that connected with my heart Mm. and was totally different to what I knew of homeschooling before that. And so we started talking about it again. And by the end of that year, we were ready to homeschool. So she debunked some myths that you had about homeschooling and what it might look like um, and what it meant and all of that. And I think a lot of listeners have that same thought processes they're thinking about what they want to do for their kids or their kids might even be in school right now and and wondering you know is this the best option it might be private school public school or any other option in between a steiner school and yet they are contemplating homeschooling what was your premise around which you ended up starting in the end the thing that brought us back to it was who did we want to be the influence on our children's mm. heart? What they believed, what they valued, and what they did with their life in long term. And so we felt that we as a family were strong enough to walk alongside of the child in any of those systems, but ultimately we really wanted to be a part of their life and involved in their life. And that's what these resources showed us, that there were resources there that could help us teach character and Bible and children's interests and passions and those types of things that we as a family could create a lifestyle 
that enabled all those things to be a part of their education. The question that many people will say, well, how did you find the time to do it? You have four children and they've all got different learning styles and were you a teacher before? Or These are the questions a lot of people ask themselves and it couldn't be for me, but how did you find that? I loved it. I loved our homeschooling lifestyle. The thing that I say to mums when they say, oh, I couldn't do that because of this, this and that, is that when you start homeschooling, if you come at it from a family perspective rather than replicating the classroom, that's an important difference, everything changes. So if I could just tell a story of our first week. Mm. Months before we started homeschooling, we were going through treatment with Nomi and my oldest was in kindy and we were trying to do all the things. We were going to kindy, we'd drop off to kindy, we'd shop and pick up from kindy and go to the pool and it was just very busy lifestyle and I knew Fridays was our special pool day. I'd go to the pool, spend the time with the kids and I'd know that I'd go home and I still had breakfast dishes in the sink and the kids were going to be tired and all that. And then on my first week of homeschooling, we went to the pool on Friday and I remember sitting there in the pool with the kids who couldn't swim so I kind of had three kids hanging off me in the pool. But I was sitting there and I was just relaxed because before we went to the pool, we'd done the dishes, the laundry was sorted, and I knew what was for dinner. The difference being I was running on my own schedule. I didn't have someone else telling me what to do. And so when we look at whether we can do it or not, we can't compare our life with what our life is now when we're sending our kids to school because it just completely changes. Everything changes. The other thing that mums worry about is their own capacity. And I say the same to them, that what you're seeing by following a teacher's homework and all of that completely changes because you're involved from roots level educating yourself. I'm far more educated now that I've homeschooled my kids than I ever was before. That's so good. Now, just letting us know, Naomi, what happened? Yeah, so she had her kidney removed and then it was very large tumour. So it was about one-eighth of her body size. So wow. it was about 500 grams tumour that was removed from a six-month-old baby. And so because of the balance of the size of the tumour and research that had gone into that type of tumour, she did have to have five months of chemo. And so she had one dose of chemo weekly in Kananara and then every three weeks we had to fly to Perth for the other dose. And then after five months, that all looked very positive. She has had scar tissue complications, which she still has to manage a lot of pain. So she's had pain because of that scar tissue all her life, really, which Mm. she now self-managed. But she's healthy. And she knows that she found God in that and she walks with God, knows that God is walking with her through those pain bouts. Yeah. And it's, you know, one of the most beautiful things is to hear a 10-year-old give testimony that even though she is in extreme pain and she cries out to God, why me, why me? She can then turn around and say, I know God has never left me. And as a parent, that's just a beautiful thing to mm. hear your child say. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. Absolutely.
for our children to find God for themselves is, I think, one of the most exciting times yeah. uh, because when you're, a child grows up in a Christian home, they tend to just be under the banner of their parents. You know, they go along with it, but when they decide to follow Jesus for themselves and then in their teens when they actually start to make it real for themselves uh, is just so, so exciting and to be a part of that. Mm. Um, it's not everybody's journey and they're still praying for their children right now. Um, the prayers of grandparents and parents for their children, they're not going to come back void. Mm. In my opening remarks, I talked about being intentional, relational and heart focused in all areas of your family life. You have incorporated faith and character into your children. How did they go academically? So many people would say, oh, my kids, you know, they'll be behind the eight ball. So what about your four children? Where have they gone? Academically, I think I have one of every kind of category that the world puts on us in yep. terms of categorizing academics. You know, I have um, a gifted academically child. I have a child who works very diligently and I have a child who goes, eh, who cares? Yep. And then I have a child with learning difficulty. Yep. And so I've experienced all of that. But for me, it comes down to your goal. And my goal was never about academic success for the sake of academic success. It's about each of the children finding their purpose in life. And God gives us our abilities and our passions and he gives us the context to live those out. And I wanted my kids to find those. But as a homeschooler, you do have a responsibility to teach the academics. For sure. And so we had to find a way that we could balance it all. And I came from the perspective that it's the parents' responsibility to teach their children spiritually, morally, emotionally, socially, physically. So when I looked at homeschooling, homeschooling was only a part of our day that gave us an opportunity to teach and train my children in all of those capacities, yeah. not just the academics. So um, we spent as much time developing their spiritual growth and well-being as we did developing their intellectual. So did you do it all or were you part of a group of families? Uh, I think a lot of people say, you know, they'll be so isolated just being in the home and everybody will end up hating each other. Um, <laughs> but that's not the case. No, no, it's not the case. So we did do it all myself. I was the one who put together their homeschooling program that I knew what we were working on and why we were working on it. But we didn't do it on our own in the house with not engaging with anybody mm. else. Yeah. You know, Karanara is a remote community in the sense that it's a long way from anything else. We have to travel all day to get either Broome or to Darwin. But the town itself is very community-minded. We were homeschooling probably for about six months before friends started to be interested in it for themselves. And before long, we had a, what we called a co-op, and that grew to about 50 kids, 12 families, 50 kids. Right. Our co-op was very different, though, than what a lot of co-ops in the homeschooling communities are like, in that we stayed focused that we were family first, 
And so we came together as families who had this lifestyle of homeschooling. And our network or our co-op never actually replaced the family and it wasn't to replicate the school classroom. It was kind of like an extended family and we spent family days once a month together. And we came together because we all did homeschooling differently, but we came together to give our children collaborative learning experiences, um, to help them see that other families had the same values and were doing things maybe differently than what the broader community was doing. It was in that broader group that we had friends. The idea of the co-op was that we met once a month, but then it was up to the individual families to find connections and engagements for their kids throughout the rest of the month. And so the kids had friends, they had opportunities to do projects together with other kids, they had opportunities to exhibit their work in the broader community. So it was very much, we were a part of the community, both our high school community and then our local town community as well. Belinda Letchford was our guest today from Kununurra, Western Australia. She has a heart to help encourage parents to be intentional, relational and heart-focused in all areas of family life and helps other families through our website, livelifewithyourkids.com. If you'd like to find out more information about homeschooling or for your family, go to our website at families.org.au. And thanks for joining us today. On behalf of Kate and myself, Britt Ryan, we look forward to you tuning in again for another edition of Focus on the Family Australia. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.